Welcome to the Liberty Cafe, where oppression is on the menu. Well, I'm very excited to have you with me on episode 25 of the Liberty Cafe today. Episode 25, that means I'm a quarter of a way to 100. It means I'm almost halfway to have been doing this for half a year now. And so there's just a lot of reasons to be excited about today's episode 25 of the Liberty Cafe. Another reason to be excited about it is because we're in partnership with Texas Scorecard and Scorecard Media. And they've come alongside to help promote our effort and promote liberty in Texas. And we're very grateful to be part of their network. Well, I was reading an article over on the Texan by Holly Hansen. And if you haven't read the Texan, haven't read some of Holly's and a lot of the other good writers over there, I highly suggest you do that. It's an organization run by Connie Burton and her husband, and, and they've decided to go and take the news, important news, that a lot of the mainstream media is not covering and bring you stories about it. And so I was over there looking at this article by Holly. It's titled, Houston to Unveil Vision Zero Plan for Zero Traffic Fatalities by 2030. Well, everybody who's opposed to zero traffic fatalities, raise your hand. Okay, nobody. I understand that. But let me ask you another question. Are you willing to give up your liberty to get down to zero traffic fatalities? I don't see any hands up there either. Of course, that could mean you're all right-wing, radical, far-right, crazy conservatives like I am. And that's great. I'm glad that you're listening to the Liberty Cafe. We'd like to talk to some other people who don't quite have that perspective on things because maybe they'll learn something from us. But I think what we see in this situation here with this plan from Houston is an effort to eliminate a lot of our liberties. Let me go over it with you. So apparently, Houston Mayor Sylvester Turner used to be state representative Sylvester Turner before he became mayor of Houston, announced last week that Houston had been collecting information and would soon be publicizing new plans crafted in collaboration with city departments, Harris County, Metro, and social justice advocates. Well, of course, there's your first warning right there. What are social justice advocates doing advocating on traffic planning? Well, whatever they're doing there, we know it's probably not going to be good, whatever they're pushing for. Mayor Turner was, in fact, joined by Texas Transportation Commissioner Laura Ryan in supporting this effort. So there's another problem. What's Governor Greg Abbott doing appointing somebody to the Texas Transportation Commission who's going to be working with the mayor of Houston and social justice advocates to reduce our liberty? Well, you may ask, say, Bill, well, how are they going to do that? Well, let's take a look at this plan. Here's what they're basing the need on. They noted that as of November 7th, Texas had not gone a day without at least one traffic death in 20 years. So that's how the left often works, and sometimes the the statists on the right they they find a problem they and they turn it into a crisis, and then they say, "Oh, we need more government." So that's one problem here. But the other problem is, if we have had at least one traffic death in the last twenty years, 
Who's been in charge of the roads during that last 20 years? Hmm. It's the government. The government's in charge of, of roads and in charge of traffic. Why are they in charge of roads and traffic? Well, because they have eminent domain authority, and they can just take all our land from us, pay us not even close sometimes to what it's worth, and build a road on it. And so that makes it impossible for the private sector to compete with the state or the city or the county on roads because they can build them cheaper and faster than we can, at least cheaper. They can acquire the land faster because all they have to do is go to the courts and say, hey, that's our property. We're going to take it for our purposes. And that's what it says in the Constitution. And in in a lot of cases, they're right. That is what it says in the Texas Constitution, but that doesn't make it right. So the organization, which is in this case the city of Houston and the state of Texas, which has been in charge of the roads, which over the last 20 years have been responsible for at least one traffic death per day, are now coming to us and say they're going to fix this problem that they've been causing for the last 20 years. Well, those of us who have been paying attention to what's going on may be a little skeptical about that. We, we may think if they've been causing this problem for the last 20 years, if government's been causing this problem for the last 20 years, why do we think government's all of a sudden going to have it figured out and be able to solve the problem? You'd be right to be skeptical. I'm not saying it's not possible for the government to get traffic deaths down to zero. It, it might work. But to do so, the only way they can do it is take away our liberty. So let's take a look and see what they're doing. So this is Vision Zero, and Houston has joined the Vision Zero Network. It's an international movement for safe streets and the commitment to end traffic deaths. So where did this come from? Well, it was developed by Swedish activists. And based on the socio-political ethic, life and health can never be exchanged for other benefits within society. So that's it. If we're talking about lives and health, then whatever else is going on in the world, it doesn't matter. Economic growth or other lives and healths that are affected in other ways, but just not directly by the thing they're working on, then we just focus on this and it doesn't matter what happens in the rest of the world. Can anybody think of a situation recently where that attitude has been the case? I see somebody with their hands up over there. Who is that? Oh, it's former state representative Matt Rinaldi. Matt, what's your thoughts on this? What's that? Oh, COVID-19. Well, Matt, you're absolutely right. COVID-19 comes along. It is a public health challenge, just like the flu is and just like the measles are sometimes and just like lots of things are sometimes. But lately, it seems like every time a public health crisis comes along, the government decides that they have to restrict our liberties. And of course, that's what they did with COVID-19. We don't have to look very far back for that. We're all living in it even right now. I was just looking online a little while ago. And of course, we've probably all heard about Joe Biden wanting to do a national mask mandate. At least at this point, it seems the President of the United States doesn't have the authority to do that. Now, if Biden gets into office, and and don't get me wrong, I haven't given up on Trump winning this election yet. But if Biden does get into office, it wouldn't be surprising to see all of a sudden Biden 
claiming the authority to impose a national mandate for mask wearing, kind of just like Governor Greg Abbott has in Texas, mandating mask mandates, even though he doesn't have the authority to do that. Well, actually, he didn't mandate that you wear a mask. He mandated that businesses make you wear a mask. No, sorry, he didn't even do that. What he did was allow local governments, county judges, maybe mayors, to mandate that businesses mandate that you wear a mask. How's that for trying to avoid accountability? Anyway, I digress a little bit here, but not really, because that's the problem. The government sees a problem, but the solution it sees is oppression. And that's what's going on with this article here in the Texan on the Vision Zero movement. So what are they going to do here? Well, they've got a few things in mind down in Houston. For instance, expanding sidewalks by 50 miles per year, adding bike lanes of 25 miles per year, including curb ramps, increased access to transit. They may stop widening streets and actually narrow streets. A director of public works and engineering in Houston says that we may scale back six-lane plans to four-lane plans with improved transit and better pedestrian areas. So do you get what's going on here? They want to slow down traffic, and they actually want to take you out of your cars. And they want to force you onto buses or trains or bicycles or walking. And this is oppression. It really is. You may not see it like that. Some people might not anyway. But if they start taking away roads so you can't get to where you want to go, say you want to drive and go on a vacation, you want to go on a picnic, you want to go to work, you want to earn a living, they're going to be slowly but surely taking away that ability for you or making it so expensive in the time you have to spend on it that you're going to have little choice at some point other than to just sit there and sit there and sit there and the cost add up and the cost add up and the cost add up or go get in one of their bicycles or trains or something like that. And of course, another part of the oppression going on here is how much money they're going to take from you to do this. We all just saw this in Austin, my hometown, but not for long because I'll be out of here really shortly and I'm very glad of that. Matter of fact, when this next tax increase and Austin goes into place that I won't be living here. That's great news. And that tax increase I'm talking about is the the ballot initiative that, for some reason, the residents of the city of Austin's passed to impose on themselves to raise property taxes far past what the city could do without our permission. And I can't remember the exact number, but I've heard 20-25% ultimately over the course of this process. But whatever the number is, They're going to take this money from us and build all this stuff. Of course, that says, well, that's democracy. Well, sort of, but it's still not voluntary for the people who voted no, who didn't want to do it. Government taking money from you is oppression, particularly if they're spending money on things that God didn't design government for. And I'm pretty positive, if I look through all the way through the Bible, that God doesn't provide government the authority to build trains. I don't even think God gives government the authority to build roads. Now, I know the Constitution of Texas does, and I know the Constitution of the United States does, but I would posit that they're wrong. 
But however you look at it, there's a lot of oppression going on. And that's just the case. Basically, anytime the government finds something wrong. So, for instance, some people may not be earning enough money. Now, how do you judge whether they're earning enough money or not? Well, they may tell you you're not earning enough money. Or one of these social justice advocates we just read about over there, they may think somebody is not earning enough money. So what's the solution to this emergency out there, this injustice? Well, of course, more government. The government coming in and raising the minimum wage, for instance. That all sounds well and good. Let's pay people more and they're going to make more money. But where's that money coming from? Well, it's coming from everybody else. And the way you fix injustice, if in fact somebody's not making enough money and there's some injustice in it, is not by going and committing injustices against other people. That's number one. Number two, the solutions to these problems rarely fix the problem that they're trying to deal with. And in this case, for instance, the minimum wage, do you know what the minimum wage has done along with the welfare state and public education, let's say, for instance, in Chicago? Well, it, it's, it's wound up bringing the mortality rate of young black men up in the stratosphere. It's tough being a young black man in inner city Chicago. Blacks shoot each other at a higher rate in that city than in most other places. It's not whites committing murders or injustice against blacks. It's blacks on blacks. Well, a lot of people, Thomas Sowell and other people, have have looked into this. And one of the reasons that's going on is because of the minimum wage, because they set the minimum wage so high that young black men, teenagers, who were going through the cesspool of what is Chicago public schools, they're not getting taught to read, they're not getting taught to write, they're not getting taught to do math. All they're really getting taught to do is cause problems and cause trouble because the public school systems, not all of it and not all the schools, but a lot of them are really bad. And none of them teach them about God, which is their main way out of these problems. Yet what we have here is they're trapped in this situation because their skills and their experience don't warrant what the new minimum wage is, and so they can't get a job. If it weren't for the minimum wage, a lot more young black teens in Chicago could get a job. But they can't because of the minimum wage. So what do they do? Well, unfortunately, a lot of them turn to drugs. And once they do that, it looks pretty bad for the future of a lot of them. This push to end the problems of our country, this push to end injustice in our country by the left actually winds up promoting more problems and more injustice. Why would they do this? Why, why would they want more injustice? It's because they don't have a proper sense of justice versus injustice. Because for the most part, those on the left don't believe in God. They don't understand what true justice is because they don't understand what true righteousness is. And they don't understand those things because they don't know the true source of those things, which is God. And particularly, Jesus Christ, our Savior, who came and lived among us. Righteousness and justice were among us. And what did we do to him? We killed him. But thanks be to God, Jesus Christ has called out some of us for whatever reason, not that we deserve it, and provided us righteousness and justice 
through his mercy and allowed Christians to see what is good and right and true. Now, we don't get it right either all the time. I can point to a lot of evangelical Christians and a lot of Republicans, you might call moderate Republicans or however you want to label them, who can't really see clearly about what justice and injustice is either. For instance, all these Republicans and evangelicals out there congratulating President-elect Biden. On on the one hand, Biden actually is the president-elect. We should start praying for him and praying that God will work in his heart, bring repentance to his heart, and repentance to his understanding of how the world works. Because otherwise, we're in for a very tough four years if, if that happens. Yet, they seem a bit too eager to make this transition pass. Some of it, I think, is because some of them just can't stand Donald Trump. And some of them, and I think both of these are in the same camp to some extent, they can't see clearly that we're in a war and that we're in a battle and that there's evil on one side and righteousness and justice on the other. Now, that's not saying, please don't take this wrong, that the Republicans are righteous and Democrats are unrighteous. That's not at all what I'm saying. But Jesus Christ is righteous, and Satan and those in his kingdom are unrighteous. And this war is going on, and it's going on in all aspects of our lives. It goes on in our hearts, against our flesh. It goes on sometimes in our families. But it's also going on in government and in the culture. And a lot of these moderates and liberals just can't see that. And so they don't see any big deal between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Matter of fact, some of them actually think Joe Biden's better. So I think those people are far gone. But even those in the middle, maybe those who didn't vote for either candidate, can't really see where the lines are drawn in this battle that we're facing today. So as we bring this to a close here, again, we we have to look at the problem of the government protecting us almost always winding up in oppression. Why does that happen? Because many of those in government, most of those in government, have no concept of Christ and his righteousness and the distinctions between justice and injustice. So the only way for them forward is into oppression because many of them who are unbelievers are oppressed themselves and therefore don't have a lot of problem with oppressing others. One final note I'll say, you know, when it comes to traffic, Houston zero, or COVID-19, or whatever it is, there's an alternative between let's don't do anything with the government and watch everybody die. So the government doesn't do anything and everybody just dies, whether it's traffic fatalities or COVID fatalities. An alternative is, is that rather than the government doing something, people do something. Individuals outside the government do something. Individuals in their capacities as consumers and as producers, as members of productive society, as members of civil society that de Tocqueville talked about so much. We do it on the charity side through charitable means. We do it on the free market side through commerce, buying and selling. I guarantee you, if we turn the roads of Texas, let's just start small, the roads of Houston, over to the private sector, we could be down to zero traffic deaths in probably 10 years or less. And you know what? In the process, we'd save money 
and we'd have more liberty. I know that's a pretty big statement, and I'm not going to work it all out now, but maybe I'll do an episode on that in the future, talking about how eliminating eminent domain and eliminating the ability of the state and local governments to control roads would bring us more liberty and more safety and a lot more money in our pocket. All right, well, thank you very much for having joined me today on episode 25 of the Liberty Cafe. And thanks once again also to our sponsors, Scorecard Media and Texas Scorecard.